Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. Today we have a conservative hero in the studio. Congressman Steve King has been under fire and has written this book, Walking Through the Fire. You're gonna love his life stories and memoirs, shall we say, from Congress. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. On today's show, we have a live interview with a returning guest and fan favorite. If you've followed conservative politics over the last several decades, uh, Congressman Steve King has been in the middle of the fray, and he has now written a new important book, Walking Through the Fire by Fidelity Publishing, Fidelis, Fidelis Publishing, available at steveking.com and wherever books are sold. Welcome to the studio, Congressman Steve King. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thanks a lot for having me here in the studio, Dr. Chaps. Well, you found the underground bunker, right? <laughs> we're, we're, we're hiding from the public, but you're not hiding. You, you were in Congress and you're still out there fighting. Well, I am, and you know, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to serve the public and the Lord in public service for my, for a long time now. I guess it's 24 years, and when I left Congress on about the 3rd of January of last year, that capped off those 24 years. I came home, I reintroduced myself to my wife and family who only knew me as a weekend uh, father, husband, or grandfather. And uh, really, it, it's, it's odd, but it started a second romance with Marilyn because we didn't have those little uh, private conversations that went on where you get the jokes that tie you together. Now that's being all built back together again, and, and I see the richness of our family life, and I have eight grandchildren and three uh, sons and, and their wives living within 10 miles of me. We go to church together wow. and go back to somebody's house for the morning brunch, whoever happens to be the volunteer. So that's good living. Well, and grandchildren, I'm told, are their own reward, so congratulations on uh, your current success. Let's talk about uh, where it all started. You ran for Congress initially in what year? In 2002. We had a redistricting, and uh, so I entered into that race, and I knew when I looked at the new map that if I, if I was ever gonna run for Congress, that was the time. So it was now or never, and the now was the right decision. And this was the Iowa 4th. Were you a legislator before that? In the state Senate in Iowa for six years prior to that, and prior to that, I started a construction business <coughs> in 1975 at a negative net worth, a negative net worth of $5,000. <laughs> I convinced a Democrat banker to loan me 100% on an old beaten up bulldozer. And uh, I drug it out of the weeds, welded on it for two weeks, took it out and dropped the bid into the dirt at 7 a.m. on Labor Day, 1975. And at 10 o'clock sharp, coffee time, the engine blew up. So, oh, no. <laughs> so uh, you know, the rest is history. I don't have to tell the rest of the story, except uh, my wife, Marilyn, then a week later was standing on the tracks of that D7 in the rain uh, with a seven foot cheater pipe, torquing the head bolts on that machine as we're putting it back together. She's four and a half months pregnant with my oldest son who owns that company today. So we started young in my family. Wow, <laughs> and, and that business is successful. And then you ran yeah. for a successful political career. Yeah. It ended with controversy. Do you want to talk about that? Well, sure. Um, you know, this, this thing built for a long time. I stepped up for all the major issues that we believe in here, I think, on this program and your listeners. But I've, I've been driven by pro-life from the beginning. Uh, you would call me, I think, the, the national father of the heartbeat bill. Yes. I give Janet Porter the title of the national mother of the heartbeat bill, yes. for sure. 
And you introduced that in Congress, and now I it's did. in, I think, 17 states? Yeah, I think about that. Um, and in Congress, we took it to 174 co-sponsors. Uh, I had the votes to pass it out of the Judiciary Committee, and I had the votes to pass it off the floor without that amendment that makes exceptions for rape and incest, and because I believe that all lives are sacred, right. um, not based upon the circumstances of, of uh, conception. Right. And so, um, and, and we got that down to the end of 2018, and I'll just straight up say it, Kevin McCarthy killed that bill. Uh, but he wants to be the next Speaker of the House. Oh, no. And one thing is, they couldn't allow me to be successful, but I stood up for life and marriage, the border wall, uh, fought Obamacare with Michelle Bachman. Nobody fought it harder than uh, either one of us. Right. Uh, and uh, principle after principle that matters to full-spectrum constitutional Christian conservatives, I, I always ran to the sound of the guns. It's natural to me. Yeah. And uh, so then in those battles, with the presidential race <clears throat> going on in Iowa, the First Nation Caucus, my district, the fourth district, the, fourth, the Northwest Iowa, that's where the majority of the conservatives live. The presidential candidates come there. Right. And my constituents trusted me. So the rhinos and the elitists, and the, they were not going to get favor in that district. So they had to potentially, essentially, kill me off politically. So you, uh, you in that position, being Iowa 4th's congressman, you helped stop, for example, the, the Mitt Romney campaign when he was yeah. running for president. Uh, twice. And uh, Who did you support the, uh, instead of him? In 2008, 2008, I, Fred, Grant, Fred Thompson was ready to was was ready to step out of that race. I, I just went out and endorsed him and brought him back into that race. Wow! So we did about 50 stops in Iowa. It changed the dynamics in Iowa, and I believe that's what Romney believes is what cost him the Iowa race in 2008. And uh, in 2012, um, Michelle Bachman, terrific friend, I call her my political sister. I just love that lady, and she's so sharp and so quick. We've done so much good together. Uh, when Rick Perry jumped into that race on on, on uh, straw poll day. Um, and that, and her, her campaign essentially, uh, I don't want to, I'll say it this way, it kind of collapsed. Um, people, some people let her down. So um, at that point, it became Rick Santorum, and I didn't come back out publicly. I just put my people behind Rick Santorum. Right. And my chief of staff uh, with a chuck truck drove Rick Santorum around. He gave 385 speeches, and he beat Romney by about, oh, a grand total of a landslide of a dozen votes. Hands Isn't that, that amazing? I was in Iowa in 2008. I was the driver and chaplain for Alan Keyes for president. Oh, I, I, we met Ron Paul. We met all those. That was a great year for presidential race, and you were behind that. We, we all opposed Romney in the end, although he did get the nomination. Of course, he got waxed in the general mm -hmm. election, uh, and then later, uh, Rick Santorum sort of became the evangelical candidate. Came in second to uh, I think John McCain, uh, and then. Uh, 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 Ted Cruz was the, the, the evangelical candidate, came mm -hmm. in second to Donald Trump. Well, actually, that was the other way around in 2016 for Cruz. Yeah. Um, and I was Cruz's national campaign co-chairman. And so Cruz, I, I chose Cruz because he was the clearest, uh, most principled conservative that I could see in the race. And uh, I stepped up to do that. And then uh, Trump, was, was he was really focused on Iowa, and he's a sharp businessman. He tried to hire my youngest son, and uh, that's how he was going to work that. And I told Jeff, if you come on Trump's team, then I lose my options. And so right. it cost Jeff some money and me some money to solve that. Oh boy. <laughs> but uh, in any case, Governor Branstead, who had said he would not endorse a candidate in 2016, um, that he would not endorse a candidate, two weeks before the Iowa caucus, he came out and publicly said, anybody but Cruz. So oh, I wow. push all my political capital in the middle of the table, and he had his in the middle of the table too when he said that. 
And when Cruz won the caucus, um, I was a little too happy, I think. I've seen the video. <laughs> and uh, the next morning, they were recruiting primary candidates against me, and they were aggressive and they oh. were vigorous. And so that's part of, and it's actually a big part of this. Some of it's in my book, but not all of it. I, I want to point out, everyone, it wasn't the Democrats that were trying to sink Steve King. It was the Republicans. His own, uh, of course, the, we call them rhinos, but the, uh, this was my experience as a legislator. Sometimes your own friends are the ones putting the knife in your back. More with Steve King right after this and how the controversy concluded. Giving you a megaphone in Washington, D.C. Dr. Chaps will be right back. We have a brand new action alert for the activist members of our TV audience. And we want you to take action today to stop the religious purge of Christians from the military. You mean they're kicking out Christians? Yes, by the thousands right now because religious exemption waivers are being denied by especially the Air Force. And we've seen recent headlines how Air Force Academy cadets are being kicked out and forced to repay hundreds of thousands of dollars in back scholarship money. This is just wrong. We are standing for the religious freedom of the cadets. We're asking you to call the Secretary of Defense office. He is Lloyd Austin, and he wrote the policy saying that religious exemptions will be granted on a case-by-case -case basis. Then why are almost zero exemption waivers being granted? We need you to take action today by calling the Secretary of Defense office, and we have his phone number. Get your pen ready to write down this phone number. We want you to call and say, please, protect religious freedom. Don't purge the Christians out of the military. Here's that phone number. We want you to dial 703-692-7100. Again, that's 703-692-7100. Call the Secretary of Defense office and then call us for a free religious freedom sticker at 866-Obey-God. Press option three, take action today. Do you need a physical or spiritual healing? Are you being tested or tried? When Jesus needed to pray, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you need to really connect with God? If you're visiting Colorado Springs, come see the Gateway Prayer Garden just south of the city along Interstate 25. Walk our prayer trails among the trees by the beautiful Fountain Creek. Stand at the foot of our large cross and connect with Jesus. Enter our life-size replica of the empty tomb and spend time reading key Bible verses etched in stone along our ground cross as big as a football field. Join our worship gatherings and plan to attend our annual Easter Sunrise Worship Service. We're located off I-25, exit 132A at 8035 Bandley Road, just north of the KOA campground. Experience Jesus at gatewayprayergarden.org. That's gatewayprayergarden.org. Defending your religious freedom. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. Uh, Congressman Steve King uh, has written this important book, Walking Through the Fire. Uh, eventually, uh, we were saying before the break, you were targeted after you, were, you had so much success that they couldn't ignore you anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they began sending reporters to cover you and a, a New York Times reporter came. Well, yeah, even even more than that, I was 
by the end of the fall election in 2018, by the time we got into late October, I was surrounded by these fuzzy microphones. NBC came out and all. I mean, I felt like Gary Condit when they were, you know, when, when uh, Chandra Levy was missing and they thought he was the murderer. They oh, no. followed him everywhere with this gaggle of microphones. Uh, we had the Huffington Post and, uh, uh, let's see, the Weekly Standard and New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, all of the culprits out there, Esquire, just surrounding me with special reporters that were writing nasty made-up stories constantly every day. I could fight off all the things that the Democrats brought against me, and they all knew that. But once the chairman of the NRCC, Steve Stivers, turned on me a week before the election, more or less labeled me a racist, a white nationalist, a white supremacist, and rejected me, that validated all the Democrats' charges, and it energized the Republican piece, and it raised a million and a half for my opponent in the last week in 2018. Oh my gosh. We went anyway. But then they came to then, then then they began a second plan, and I had a top level political operative came to me the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and he said they're going to try again. They believe they can force you to resign if they can focus all the media guns on you. Oh my gosh! And that was what they and I, so I knew that it was set up, and otherwise I might have been convinced it was organic, but it was not. It was no. a setup. Right. And they launched it January tenth, two thousand and nineteen, and I became the most. I'll say the most hated person in America for months on end, and still without a first-person accuser of any kind. Isn't Not that amazing? One. How do you respond to the charges of, of you know, racism? That well, I made, I'll say early on, I never answered the question because there was never any basis for it, for the question. Now there is a basis for it because, you know, it's, it's turned into action of, of against me. But it's just that my head and my heart are down this line. We are all created in God's image. And, and who are we then to question the validity of anybody else who's created in his image? And if, if you believe that, right. then you can't be a racist. Right. And then, so, and I also see something else though, that in this era we're in right now, America First is getting traction and it's growing. And I think most of that's good. I'm an America First guy, but I'm not an America only guy. And every person on this planet, seven plus billion of us, God cares about every one of them, <coughs> not just Americans. And so he calls us to reach out to those people that are oppressed, those people that are less privileged than we are. And there's a narrative in my book, Walking Through the Fire, that tells the story of saving the lives of the three Tanzanian miracle kids. Yeah, I wanna hear about that, because we do work in India for up to 1,100 orphans and children. Every day we, we help feed in India. But you've been very charitable, even towards, even though you're an America First candidate, uh, with regard to border policy and immigration policy, uh, You've been very active overseas. I have. Um, I had the Trump administration contact me when he was president-elect, and they were looking at me for something, and they wanted to know how many countries I'd traveled to. So I had to count them all up, and it was 70 different foreign countries that I've traveled to uh, during my well during my adult life, but most of it during that my time in Congress. So through the Balkans, and and uh, I guess if you stick the pins in the map, um, every continent but Antarctica and. Russia, China, Japan, I go on and on and on and not list 70, but the Balkans, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, I didn't miss much of any of that. And what I could see going on, chaps, was that Western civilization was under assault. And when that quote came down out of the New York Times, that where I was quoted, allegedly was quoted, but that was quoted as saying this, is not how I you delivered it. You were misquoted. It. Yeah, it was a misquote. Um, Western, let's see, white nationalism, white supremacy, 
Western civilization, how did that language become offensive? I was asking the question, how did Western civilization become a weaponized term that would be similar to the terms that Democrats have put together that they use, such as racist, uh, white supremacist, yeah. white nationalist, Nazi. That was now, now Western civilization is a weaponized term, and they're converting it into a euphemism for racism. And so, so you were only talking about Western civilization, defending that. Mm -hmm. you, you condemn white supremacy and white nationalism. I did, more eloquently than the other members of Congress did, by the way. Right. They use their language, though. But the New York Times didn't report that. They lumped no. it all together and now said you were defending uh, the sin of racism, which we condemn. Uh, that's right. And, uh, you know, there's also, uh, I don't think about it very much, but um, in the back of the book, there's a letter written to me by the ambassador to the United States from Haiti, Ambassador Dennis Herve, and uh, he wrote in that letter about, about how much they appreciated the work I've done with the Haitians. I always was their first stop, their go-to stop when they came into America. They'd come to my office, and I got to know a lot of Haitians, traveled down there too. Um, they need help, and boy, they're a, they're a marginalized society if there is one in this hemisphere. And I keep telling them, teach your schools in English, open your world up. If you're gonna use French Creole, it's a very limited knowledge base within that language. But I, I try to help them in every way that I can, and he recognized that. So it's kind of hard to do those things in Tanzania and in Haiti. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say also, the heartbeat bill, uh, that I took far, much further than anybody else ever did at the national level. I don't know if there's even a competing bill that would do it even, but that bill, once it becomes law, and I pray to God it will and believe it will become law, will save the lives of more black babies than any other race, but it will save the lives of close to a million babies a year. And wow. so if you were a racist, why would you advance a powerful piece of legislation that saves the maximum number of black babies' lives? Yeah. And it's just, and I don't think about it in those terms. It's, well, the devil came after you because you're pro-life and yeah. pro-marriage and, and pro-Israel and, and all mm -hmm. the evangelical positions you made. It, it's a spiritual attack. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in dark places, the, the, the devil himself put a target on your back and ultimately, what happened? You, you lost your primary. I did, um, and there were a lot of components to that, but one of them was our Secretary of State, Paul Pate, just unilaterally decided to send absentee ballots to every registered household in the state. That turned out, it, it doubled the primary vote turnout. The first half of those folks that were gonna vote up vote, they were the conservatives that believes like we do. The second half that voted in that primary were the ones that were apathetic, that didn't want to go out of their house and weren't going to and hadn't voted before in primaries. So it doubled that turnout in the middle of the COVID uh, quarantine and they had the money to pour it into television when people are shut in their homes and they had shut my, my fundraising off just almost completely. Oh so that's just part of it. But, but when that happened, of course I lost the primary and uh, then finished out my term and came back home, uh, well, it'll be January 3rd of last year and uh, I knew that I had to write a book, chaps, because yeah. they canceled everything. And the people that were my friends before, I mean, I, here's, I, I would say these advice to, if you're running for office and you want to be a, an independent voice of principle representing your constituents as you commit to doing, at least at the national level, you need to have three things. You have to have voters that will support you, obviously, and you need to have a, a national media voice so that you can project those convictions out throughout the country. And that's a, uh, the voter, and, and you have to have also an independent fundraising network that they can't attack. You put those three things together because they hate the national media voice because that punishes the people that aren't working in an altruistic way. And I had all of those built, not intentionally, it evolved. 
And, and then, then they began to attack the three legs of that stool, all of them. They spent a lot of money doing it, and that's, that's how this thing came down in the end. We need to take a short break. When we come back, we will get into more of the book, Walking Through the Fire, Steve King. Dr. Chaps will be right back with more PIJN News. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my brand new product, My Slippers. What makes my slippers different from those other slippers is my exclusive four-layer design. The first layer is my pillow's patented foam, which will help prevent fatigue and offer you incredible support. My second layer is a memory foam that will give you amazing comfort. And layer three is my patented impact gel that'll help reduce stress on your feet. And layer four is a durable outdoor indoor sole so you can wear my slippers anywhere, anytime. Go online or call right now to order your very own pair of the new My Slippers. Use the promo code on your screen and save an incredible 40% off your My Slippers order. You can enjoy My Slippers anytime, anywhere. What I love most about My Slippers is that I can wear them all day long and not have to change shoes. I personally guarantee the first time you put them on, they'll be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. When I got MyPillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. That's why I invented MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial to bring you my BOGO extravaganza. For example, you get one of my Giza Dream bed sheets and you get a second set absolutely free. Or my six-piece towel sets. Buy one set, get another one absolutely free. Or get my classic premium my pillow and get another one absolutely free. So call the number on your screen or go to MyPillow.com and use your promo code to get my buy one, get one free offers and get deep discounts on all my pillow products. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. Steve King has written an important book, Walking Through the Fire. If you're a Christian involved in political uh, uh, life, Fidelis Publishing has made this available wherever books are sold, but also at steveking.com. Uh, Congressman, we have just a few minutes left and I do wanna pray for you, but what are some of your favorite happy stories in the book? Oh boy, um, well, the happiest one of my life is in the book, and that is the story about the Tanzanian Miracle Kids. But I'll keep that a little bit short because I want people to read it in detail too. But these three survivors of a bus wreck that had 38 passengers on it, where we had 25 serious fractures and many other injuries, and they needed a medevac plane to fly them out of East Africa, Tanzania, to Sioux City, Iowa, where Dr. Steve Meyer, orthopedic surgeon and, and a great, great friend uh, and his team, uh, could put them back together. They were on death's door in Arusha, Tanzania. I finally was able to make contact with, Frank, with Reverend Franklin Graham. And I'll say this, that if they had brought this against me the way they did, and, and I'll say toxified my name everywhere, I don't know that Reverend Graham would have taken my phone call. But this was before they did their political lynching, and my reputation I had earned is it was good enough to get me through to Franklin Graham. And in about three minutes when I told him the situation, he said, well, we've got a DC-8, and uh, I'll fly those kids out of there for you. 
and a sale was made. So I connected him with Dr. Meyer. They retrofitted the DC-8, flew those those three kids on 10 to 12 years old, two boys and a girl, on death's door. Um, flew them to Sioux City, Iowa, and they were just lethargic, no light in their eyes. When they brought them off the tarmac to Mercy Hospital, they went to work, putting them back together. There were two fractured spines, a fractured jaw, fractured femurs, 25 altogether. One girl, Doreen, was paralyzed from the waist down. And uh, when I went to see them, the light was in their eyes. It wasn't bright yet, but it was in their eyes. And uh, it was just, their lives were saved. And I knew that at that time, but I knew that Doreen was paralyzed. About a month later, Dr. Meyer called me on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, he said, I'm calling to tell you about another miracle. That's what's that. He said, I walked by Doreen's bed today and I joked with her like I always do. And she kicked me. I think she might've just wiggled her toe. She kicked me. <laughs> and he said, Doreen will walk again. The neurologists say that I'm crazy. No one has ever recovered from this sign of injury anywhere in the world. She will walk again. And I believe him because I've been involved in a number of things with this man. He's a walking saint in my view. Yeah. And so on that phone that day, we planned when we would bring those kids back to Tanzania. And so it would be August 18th of 2017. My wife Marilyn and I were standing on the tarmac at Kilimanjaro Airport and with thousands of Tanzanians there in their Sunday best and when that DC-8 landed and down that ramp came Sadia first, the, the oldest girl, she, and she walked down. Then Wilson, the perpetually smiling Wilson, uh, well, he had been all broken up, but he was mobilized now. He came down with a big smile on his face that never stopped. And now here's Doreen. And she was, the, she was hesitating at the top of the steps. And you could just see her kind of hanging onto the railing. And all those thousands of Tanzanians I know were praying that she could make it down those steps. Slowly she went down those steps. And when she set foot on that tarmac at Kilimanjaro Airport, I said, uh, this is the closest thing to the rapture that you can feel as a mortal standing on this ground in this lifetime. Wow. And uh, that's the memory I want to keep for the rest of my life. Thank if I'm going to lose all of my memories one at a time to dementia or whatever, yeah. that, that one, I pray, is the last to go. Well, thank God. Thank God for your example and for caring for the people of the world, the poor people that they accuse you of hating, you sh you've demonstrated love, and I see that. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask your special blessing on Steve King, and, and Lord, reward him for his life of service to the cause of Jesus Christ, to the cause of pro-life and pro-family and pro-Israel, uh, and, and fighting against um, everything that the left is trying to do to destroy our country, this man was attacked for trying to preserve our country. And Father, we ask you to reward him, uh, not just in this life, but in eternity, uh, and give him great success in his future endeavors and the speeches he's able to make, the invites, the book sales. Uh, Lord, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through this servant wherever he goes. I pray your blessing upon him in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, hold up the Thanks, book chaps. and I'll give you the last 30 seconds. Tell <laughs> the audience. Well, this this is a really, they're all truthful in here. I made sure that everything was factual, everything was checked out. I ran it by Louis Gomert and he found a typo. So that was the only mistake that we could find in this book. It's footnoted, a number of pages of footnotes in it. It's not written with sour grapes in it and it's not written with vindictiveness in it, but it's true and I want you to know I want you to know the, the facts of the foundation, what goes on in our government and what some people are capable of doing. But in the end, I want you to draw strength from this book because all of us at one form or another are walking through our own fire and Jesus walks with us hand in hand all the way. And it says in Isaiah, you shall not be burned. Amen. 
We're out of time. Uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Dr. Chaps. Do you want to get free news alerts faster than everybody else? Do you want to get invitations to private events to come meet me in person? Do you want to get a free religious freedom window decal? Pick up your phone. It's right there by your hand. And text this word. Text the word PRAY to 24365. Text the word PRAY to 24365 and we'll sign you up. Then call us at 866-ObeyGod. Again, that's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D to get a free religious freedom sticker. Call today. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best financial donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray in Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll-free right now, 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.